This morning we're reading from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 to 22, and you can follow along uh, with this reading in the Pew Bible that's in front of you. You can read along on your phone if you like, or you can watch the screens behind me. So this is Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 to 22, a new citizenship. This is God's word. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenant of the promise without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built upon the foundation of the prophets and apostles with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole world, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling place in which God lives by his spirit. And we trust that God will bless his truth to our hearts for Christ's sake. Amen. Thank you so much, Shane, for leading us in prayer and for reading God's word um, to us. Just to clarify um, the mystery of fusion, fusion is 6.30 p.m., not 7. Um, Okay, so 6.30. Clarity in the mystery. There we go. So this morning we're calling this um, a new citizenship as we look at these verses in Ephesians 2, um, 11 to 22. And having just painted the picture of what it means to be spiritually dead, now alive, if you were here last week, that's what we we thought about, how we were once dead, but now in uh, Christ we are now alive. So Paul, having just painted the picture of what that looks like and what that means for us, And we are transformed by grace. In these verses, Paul draws out what that should look like in practice. So this is very much um, a how you are to live kind of passage here in Ephesians chapter 2. This is how we ought to live as those who were once dead but are now alive. Those with a brand new life in Christ And Paul begins, if you look in verse 11, with the word therefore. Uh, When Paul does this, that just means um, he is telling us that what I'm about to say depends on what I've just said. Okay, so therefore, what I'm about to say right now depends on what I have just said to you. 
So let's remember what we heard last week. We heard about this vertical reconciliation that we have with God through the blood of Jesus, that we're made right through Christ. And that vertical reconciliation, Paul says, will then result in this horizontal reconciliation with other people. It will flow The love of God, the reconciliation power of Christ will flow into us and out towards other people around us. And in this passage, Paul uses the term the uncircumcised for Gentile people. That was basically a a Jewish ethnic slur. It wasn't a very nice term. Um, he He refers to them as the uncircumcised. That's what they would have been known as. And he goes on to speak about the impact of the gospel for these Gentiles. And he uses language that is uh, very much speaks of, of how they were once this, but they are now something completely different. At one time you were this, but now in Christ you are this. Or you were once far off, but not anymore. You have been brought close through what Jesus has done for you. So he unpacks that the Gentiles are also included now within the people of God. And this is really important because when Paul speaks to those who are far off, to Gentiles, to those outside the covenant relationship with God, he's speaking about us. We also are those who were far off. We are, we're Gentiles, most of us anyway. We're not, we're not Jewish people. If you're a Jewish person, by the way, I would love to chat with you. If anyone um, in the room or joining online is of Jewish background, I would love to hear from you and hear your story. But we're pretty much predominantly Gentiles. We're those born outside of the Jewish uh, family of faith. And so this morning, as we think about this, three big thoughts for us. So as Gentiles, this is who we are. We are those who are brought near. We are those who are one body. And we are God's temple. We are God's temple. So first of all, we are those who have been brought near. You were an outsider. I was an outsider. And we must know this firstly. We must know and remember and recall that we were once outside the kingdom of God. We were all outsiders. And when Jesus and the apostles talked about the gospel going to the ends of the earth, and when they talked that way about the mission of God and how the kingdom would expand and how the gospel would go to the ends of the earth, they were talking about us. That the gospel would one day reach us. That the good news of Jesus would one time come to those who were far, far away. Those who were far, far off. And the civilized Roman world at the time had a name for those in parts of the world that were far, far off. They referred to us, or those who were far away, as the barbarians. Anyone living on distant shores away from the Roman Empire were referred uh, to as barbarians. Now, I got a little sidetracked this week. I do apologize for what I'm about to share. I really did debate over whether uh, I would share this with you or not, but I found online, I'm going to share it with you, there we go, um, a barbarian name generator. Honestly, I don't waste that much time um, during the week doing stuff like this, but I found a website that generates your barbarian name, okay? You enter a few details and it throws up a name that you may have been called back, you know, in the days of the barbarians. And here's what mine is. I'm skunker hunter of the future. (laughs) 
I also did this for Caroline. You would never want to know what Caroline's barbarian name is, would you? Okay, she, she is Berzina the snake princess. I can't believe I shared that, honestly. Silly sidetrack over, okay? I honestly don't waste time like that, okay, during the week. Anyway, okay, the truth is, you can flick this on, get that off the screen there. The truth is, when Paul speaks of those who are far, far away, he's speaking of barbarians, those outside the kingdom, those far, far away from the gospel. And as he speaks to Gentiles, he speaks to us today. Look at verse 12. And Paul writes, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. One commentator summarizes that verse using five words, and he says this, that Gentile people would have been thought of as Christless, stateless, friendless, hopeless, and godless. Christless, stateless, friendless, hopeless, and godless. And for us to understand the mystery of who we are as the church, we must remember where we have come from. We have all come from outside of the promises of God, right into the very middle of God's promises for us. We've all come from being without hope to having the greatest hope of all, in and through Jesus, the Son of God. We've all gone from, from being without God in the world to being right at the very center of what God is doing in the world, to be part of his plan for the world. We were all once rebels. Remember last week we thought about being rebels. We were all once rebels. Now you know that you were also a barbarian. You were once far away, but now we have been brought near. We've been brought near to God, right into the center of his plan for the world. The Jewish term for church was ecclesia. I've probably mentioned this before, and it just means those called out, the called out ones, those who have been called out from their old way of living, their old life, and called into a relationship with, with God through Jesus. We are the called out ones. We were once far away, but we have been brought near, called out, and called into the family of God. We are brought near. Secondly, we are one body. We're one body of God's people. Verse 14, Paul writes, For he himself, Jesus, is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. In Jesus' day, the Jews had an actual wall on the outside of the temple, and that wall had a sign on it, a really explicit sign, and it said, no Gentiles allowed. Gentiles would have to remain outside. They were kept separate from the Jewish people, separate from their temple. They were the bad who were being kept away from the good. They were the unclean being kept away from the clean. That's how the Jewish people would have viewed Gentiles. Such was the hostility between the groups that the sign outside the temple wasn't so much trespassers will be prosecuted. It was actually trespassers will be executed. You will be executed if you come in here and you're not from our background. You will not live. 
your life will be over. It was actually common, believe it or not, for Jewish men to begin the day in prayer by thanking God that they were not born a slave or a Gentile. They thanked God that they were not born as Gentiles. And another basic part of Jewish religion was an oath that they took where Jews promised that they would never help a Gentile. Imagine, they took a promise, I will never help a Gentile, not under any circumstances. I will do nothing to help them, not even if they stop to ask me for directions on the road. I will not stop and help them. I will not communicate with them. I will not come to their help. And for a Jewish person to step inside a Gentile house that was thought to make them unclean before God. Imagine, it's crazy, isn't it? Crazy animosity, crazy hostility, crazy levels of hatred that went on. It's almost actually impossible for me to overestimate the distinction that a first century Jewish mind would have made between a Jew and a Gentile. Most Jewish people despised Gentiles. They hated them. They believed that God had neither chosen them, and more than that, that God actually didn't love them. That they were without love, without God in the world. But one of the most revolutionary features of the gospel, and I love this, is that the good news demolishes barriers between Jews and Gentiles, between any groups of people. As one author states, he says, the racial and ethnic walls have been demolished by the gospel wrecking ball. Do you hear that? Racial, ethnic walls have been demolished by the gospel wrecking ball. And the gospel has been demolishing dividing walls ever since. Now in Northern Ireland, we know that we have known our own dividing walls only too well. Many people today still live with dividing walls of hostility erected high and erected strong in their hearts and in their minds. Walls between people of different religious backgrounds. Walls that are erected between people of different political backgrounds, different colors of skin, different ethnicities, different socioeconomic backgrounds, and so on. We could go on and on and on. Walls of division and hostility that are erected not only between groupings of people within our society and culture, but also between individuals Individuals who have some kind of hostility or hatred for someone else. And this infiltrates church life as well. Some people just don't want to ever interact with someone else for some particular reason that they hold against someone. Maybe the person has a history. Maybe there's a kind of personality that has really interfered with that person's life or a reputation or a, they have a certain look or a certain view on something, whatever it might be. Yet Paul reveals the mysterious outworking of God's purpose of creating, verses 15 and 16, one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. Let's be very clear. At the cross of Jesus Christ, the wondrous cross, that we sang about at the beginning of our service. Hostility has been put to death. 
hatred for the other has been put to death at the cross of Jesus. You see, fundamentally, the gospel is a message of reconciliation. We are first vertically reconciled with God. We're made right with God through the blood of Jesus, but then horizontally this impacts or ought to impact every other relationship that we have in this life with other people through Jesus. The gospel brings healing and reconciliation and hope and forgiveness, grace that's extended. It's what the blood of Jesus has accomplished for us, the work and the power of the cross. I love Acts 16 because in Acts 16 we see three people come to faith in Jesus um, that make up in many ways Paul's first church. Okay, now what we see in Acts 16 is Lydia, then a slave girl and a Roman jailer come to faith in Jesus in the space of a few short verses. In other words, Paul's first church had four people in it. A Jew, a woman, a slave, and a Gentile. And it was totally radical and revolutionary in the day. Jesus was clearly breaking down all barriers. Things were changing. This first little grouping of Christians was so diverse, looked so different, so weird, so revolutionary, so radical, that Jesus was introducing a new humanity. A new citizenship was being born. A new people was being birthed. It's one of the things that I love about the local church even though you and I are completely different. I mean, I'm Skunker, the hunter of the future, a weirdo. Even though we might be very different. You might have a very different background from mine. You might be at a very different stage of life from me. But you know what? Isn't the beautiful thing about the church that God brings us all together? Different backgrounds perhaps different ethnicities. We want to see more of that within the local church. People at different stages of life, different socioeconomic statuses, upbringings, postcodes, whatever it might be. But in Christ, we are one. We're brought together, beautifully crafted together. If you're in Christ and if I'm in Christ, we have both been brought near. We have both been brought near. We both have access to the one Father, by way of the one Son of God, through the power of the one Holy Spirit. We are the church. We are God's new humanity, God's new citizenship, God's new kingdom, what God is doing here on earth. And we ought to look radically different. There ought to be something at work within us, a power that overcomes all barriers, all, uh, all tensions, all all problems that we might have with the other come tumbling down within the church, the people of God. There's nothing that ought to be able to tear us apart. No barrier can overcome us, can come between us. In Jesus' name, we are one body. We're united in Christ. And so the Holy Spirit is whispering to us, are there any walls of hostility between you and someone else? Is there reconciliation that needs to happen in your life today? 
If you don't think that's possible, why not? Perhaps there's a healing that needs to go on in your life before you reconcile with someone else. Maybe there's work that God is putting his finger on even as we speak about this. Something that's left undone. Do you believe in the power of the, the cross of Jesus Christ? To work in that, that relationship, in that, that breakdown, whatever it might be, that the healing power of God would work. I believe the Holy Spirit is whispering to us about those things. And then thirdly, from this passage, we are God's temple. In the last part of these verses in Ephesians 2, Paul uses three analogies for the church. He says we're no longer strangers and aliens, but together we are now citizens of one kingdom. We are members of one household, and we are building blocks of one temple. Citizens of one kingdom. We're members of the one household and we're building blocks of one temple. One pastor, J.D. Greer, says this. He says, notice how in each analogy, believers are getting even more intimately connected to each other than the previous one. We're first citizens of one kingdom, then brothers and sisters in one family. Now we're stacked up on top of each other and we're cemented together. What a vision of church. Isn't that a beautiful picture of what the church is? And so as we seek as a church to help you in your discipleship journey, we want every single one of you to feel like you're being equipped to be a citizen of God in this world. That we're equipping you to be a citizen of the kingdom in the culture around you. That's our desire, that you would be equipped as a citizen of God's kingdom. Do you feel like you're being equipped? How can we help you in that journey? then we want you to feel like you're being loved and drawn together into the one big family of God here in Carmoney. Do you feel like a brother and sister? Do you feel like you're part of the family? If not, why not? Can we help you to feel like you are part of this family? That's my, oh, I just love the thought that we're a family. As your minister pastor, I want to work really hard at that. Big church. But we want to be one big family, don't we? We want to feel like one big family where we are in this together. Family of families and a family to those without one. Do you feel like a brother and sister within this family? And then we want to cement you together in close proximity to other Christians unleashing your God-given gifts to serve God and one another as this church is built up. Are you part of that? Do you feel like you're being cemented together? How can we help embed you more into the life of this church? I want to hear. How can we unleash your gifts for the building up of what God is doing here? God is doing something among us. Isn't he? God is at work among us. God is building something, rebuilding things. God is doing something. We need everybody in on that. We want you to unleash your gifts for the building up of the kingdom, for the blessing of us and the world around us. And then Paul writes, I'm going to finish with this. He says, okay, right, God is building something. And then he says exactly how the church is to be built. 
Verse 20, he says that we're to build on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. This is a reference to the Bible, the Word of God. The prophets and the apostles have laid out God's Word for us. It's the one thing that stays the same throughout every generation. The truth revealed in the Bible for all people in all places at all times. The Word of God. We must be thoroughly Bible-based people. The foundation of the prophets and apostles. But then Paul says that we build with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. Jesus at the center of it all. It's the most important stone, isn't it? In any building, the cornerstone, any building, ancient or modern, the first stone to be laid is the cornerstone. It's the stone that determines everything else, the placement of all the other stones around it. Every stone in a building is aligned to the cornerstone. Without a cornerstone, the building would collapse and fall over. The cornerstone holds it all together. See, Jesus Christ is the cornerstone of this church, of every church. He must be at the center of everything that we do. We align everything to Jesus. And then the third thing Paul says at the end of this passage is that um, Jesus is the cornerstone. And in him, we are built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. God lives here by his spirit. We are spirit dependent. I want you to be really thankful this morning, okay? This is what Paul says. We're to be Bible-based, Christ-centered, spirit-dependent. I want you to be thankful for the leadership of this church. Do you know why? Because we have a vision document, the all-in vision strategy. And in that strategy document, it paints what we ought to look like as the people of God. And it says that we have DNA that make us up. Okay, that we, if you were to cut through us, there are certain things that you ought to see if you were to cut right through our church, here's what you would see. DNA, nine markings of Carmoney Church. You know what the top three are? Christ-centered, Bible-based, spirit-dependent. I'm not sure if that came from Ephesians 2. Maybe it did. But that is right on where we ought to be. I want you to be thankful for the leadership of this church as they steer us into this as they steer us forward as a people. The people of God who are Christ-centered, Bible-based, and in all that we do, not dependent on ourselves, but upon the Holy Spirit. He is the one who leads us into the promises of God. We're going to pray... Um, I'm going to pray for us now and then we're going to worship God together. Let me invite the worship team uh, forward. Hope God's word has really challenged and blessed your heart. Um, why don't you stand with me? Let's stand together. I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing again in response. Let's stand together. I want to take a few moments um, just to lead us in prayer. Prayer ministry will be available as always after church this morning. And, and if you want to really, um, if you really want someone to pray with you, over you, into some situation in your life, please do avail of that um, this morning. But let's just take a moment now as we respond to what the Holy Spirit has been speaking to us about from, from the Word of God. And let's, let's just come before the Father. 
And in this moment, I want you to open yourself up to what God, the Holy Spirit, might be whispering into your heart. How he want, might want to be transforming you this morning or how he might want to be bringing healing and reconciliation into your life, perhaps in a way that you haven't known for an awfully long time. The first thing this morning, as we just bow before the Father, in relation to this DNA, Lord God, we pray that we would be those who are Bible-based people, people of your word. Lord, this morning as we stand before you in your presence, we pray that your word would be alive in our hearts. Lord God, help us to be those who center ourselves on the Lord Jesus. That he would be the cornerstone, not only of this church, but of my life. That everything would be in alignment with who he is and what he has done for me. Lord Jesus, we put you in the center. And Holy Spirit of God, we thank you that your presence is with us. May we in our lives as individuals and as a church be those who are alive to your spirit and dependent upon the presence and empowering work of your spirit who is at work within us. Open us up to the work of your Holy Spirit. Lord, this morning this passage speaks about reconciliation. And Lord, first of all, we pray for anyone listening in online or here in the building who is presently outside of your kingdom, outside of your promises, without Christ as yet in their life. Give them courage today to be vertically reconciled to you, God, through the blood of Jesus, the finished work of Christ. Lord, there may be somebody listening right now and they're right at that point of surrender. Give them the courage to make that, make that step, that commitment to experience the forgiveness and the mercy and the grace of God extended to them in and through the work of your Son. And Lord, from that place of, of our vertical reconciliation with you comes this reconciliation with those around us. Oh God, there are people right now in this room listening in and there are awful hurts. There is breakdown perhaps with one other person who is on their mind or upon their heart. Lord, we pray first of all, in these moments, Holy Spirit, that you would bring healing. Maybe it's healing that needs to happen first. That you would bring your healing presence. That is who you are. You're our comforter, our advocate, our healer. Would you bring healing into that situation and from that place of healing and restoration God may may there be steps taken to reconcile with those who we're at odds with may we not leave those things undone may we understand that the gospel brings down 
all walls of hostility. It's been put to death at the cross. Lord God, we're so thankful. We're so thankful for your grace extended towards us. Father, in these moments, may we respond. May we bring our whole heart to you as we worship you, as we give back to you in songs. We respond and lift our voices. So lead us now, we pray. In Jesus' name.